Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What is going on? It is the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast back after a bit of a hiatus. There's not a whole lot was going on in Clipperland. We're taking a little bit of a break, but we are back and we're going to be back with a vengeance. We've got Tomer Azarli on today's podcast. Looking forward to having him. And then in about a week or so, Noah Eagle, the radio voice of the Los Angeles Clippers, will be joining us as well. So we are getting back into the swing of things as training camp is just around the corner, which means the season is right behind. I'm your host, Brandon Marcus, and I'm immediately joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Tomer Azarli, who does just an incredible job. But with everything that he's doing on social media and with stuff over for Clutch Points and Clutch Points app, it's fantastic looking at the stuff that they do. They've got some good news stuff, and they also just make fun of people as well a little bit as well. So, Tomer, what's up, man? Brandon, you are too kind. That was a hell of an intro. Uh, but I'm I'm doing well, thank you. How are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, I'm glad to have basketball getting close to being back in my life. You were at the groundbreaking ceremony of the Intuit Dome, so we're going to talk about that. And let, let's start off with that because it's a momentous occasion for the Clippers. They they went from playing in the sports arena next to the Coliseum, which has now been torn to the ground to Staples Center, where they're the third tenant. And this has been brought up time and time again. So anybody that's listening, most of you know this, but the Clippers are the third tenant, which means that they have the third selection of game times. The Lakers are one, the Kings are two, and the Clippers are three, which is why they end up with so many 12-30 games. And in fact, the Clippers have 10, I believe, games, whether they're on the road or at home, that are 10 games that are either at 12 or 12-30 or earlier this season Pacific time. So, that being said, they need to get their own arena because they need to be able to have games at the times that they want. They want to be able to have an arena where they don't need to cover up Lakers banners. And so Steve Ballmer bought the team and he needed to go ahead and buy the form because he was being blocked by Dolan from building in that area next to SoFi Stadium. He did that. He bought the form. And so here comes the Intuit Dome. Tomer, it's something that needed to be done. I know that there are going to, people are going to talk about how there are families that are being displaced because a lot of construction obviously has to happen in a large area, which means that somebody most likely lived in that area. But then you can look at the cons I and mean, the pros of the fact the amount of money it's going to bring to the area. I'm curious to get your initial thoughts on the Clippers having their own spot to play come 2024. Uh, I mean... Uh, on one hand, it honestly can't come soon enough. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I, I, <laughs> the whole thing is funny because I see I saw a lot of uh, a lot of, let's say, Clipper haters uh, over, over the weekend just talk about how you know, for months they were talking about how they should get out of Staples Center. And now that they're getting their own arena, it's like, wait, wait, wait no, no, not like that. We may move to Seattle. <laughs> and it was just like uh, I, I, the, the Clippers just need 
a, a, I don't want to say a rebrand, but I think moving to their own arena where, like you said, they'll have fewer you know, 12-30 games, fewer Monday night games, you know, during football, they're competing with Monday night football or Sunday night football, whatever it is. Um, they just consistently get the raw end of the stick when it comes to the scheduling. Um, it's 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 just it's kind of bad. And this, this year is the worst I've seen it, where they have five sets of five and sevens, and it's just it's just absurd. Uh, you know, the, the, the Lakers only have two or three, I believe. So, um, and again, the Lakers have priorities. So, you know, they should get a more favorable schedule. But I think this will this will really help everything balance out. Um, I think I mean in, in seeing some of the photos and, and you know just the the, um, the artwork, uh, the plans for what the arena will look like. Um, I think I think fans have to be excited. Um, it's 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 going to be a, a really just a, a world class, very fan um, catered to the fans kind of arena where uh, you have the giant halo board up top, um, two sided. I should add where you'll be able to see everything, uh, whether you're in the nosebleeds or in the bottom uh, bottom sections. It's it, it's going to be an arena that really just I think there's there's very few suites there. It's, it's designed. Similar to the um, Utah Jazz Vivint Arena, Vivint Smart Arena, where it's just a really steep incline. And um, I, I think Balmer really took time. Um, I forgot how many how many hours Jerry West told us the other day, but it was it was a long, long, long time that they've been doing research on things like size of seats and, and the slope that everyone you know when you sit if it's a kid sitting you know will they be blocked off by the person in front of him if it's a grown adult uh there's just they went down to even the smallest details such as uh different different toilets like that was a big thing on twitter just they're they're looking for to make it a complete fan experience and i think that's the most exciting thing if you're a fan it's just that you're being thought about um, from every aspect, they want you to be able to go to the bathroom and come back quickly before during a timeout. They want you to be able to get your food quickly without really engaging with people or even pulling out your wallet. Um, they want you to be able to, to have a, a great view of the court and, and be able to cheer and be heard no matter where you're sitting, whether you're courtside or whether you're up top in the nosebleeds. So, um, and I, you know, you have to mention the, I believe it was a hundred million that they committed towards, um, the city of Inglewood, whether I, th- I believe it's 80 million towards um, affordable housing, the affordable housing is what it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and the rest towards uh, what was the other 20 million? Um, I, had, I wrote about this the other day, too. But um, yeah, they they just committed a lot of money towards um, the city of Inglewood. Yeah. yeah. 75 million is a nonprofit loan that buys, preserves and develops affordable housing, like you said. So um, it, it's just it's just again, I, I know people may have been displaced with this. I know that some people don't want this. I know, you know, this was an issue with Stable Center and it's arena with it's an issue with every arena that's built. Yeah. But I believe ultimately, like, look, this is a privately funded arena. I think Balmer spending, I believe it was one point eight billion on this. And uh, I think they they really sound like they have a commitment and a plan to help the communities around and, and you sort of uplift it. They have 7,000 full or part-time jobs expected to be created just from the construction and over 1,500 um, full and part-time jobs after the arena is completed. So, um, and they're focusing on getting Inglewood uh, residents and employees uh, to work there. So um, they're doing as much as they can, I think, all things considered. So, um, again, not everyone's going to be happy with this, but I, I do think that if you're a Clippers fan, there's, there's a lot to look forward to. I remember when this was first being talked about around 2018 or 2017, it seemed like it was a lifetime away. 
And uh, it's just about over halfway down, halfway away now. You know, three years from now, they're going to have their own arena, uh, barring any setbacks. And um, yeah, I guess I guess <laughs> it, it, Balmer is not a patient guy. I know a lot of people aren't patient with this, but it, it's it's around the corner. And um, hopefully, hopefully they have a title they can they can bring uh, when they go to that arena. But, yeah, and hopefully they have uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that are coming to that arena as well, because it, it comes at the same year that both need to opt in to the final year of their contract. And so you'd assume that's going to happen. Um, but the timing should be pretty good where you have Kawhi and PG there. And like you said, hopefully there's a banner that gets to come with them. It, it's an interesting area because SoFi Stadium, you talk about the scoreboard. It, it's very reminiscent of what you see at SoFi with that massive scoreboard that goes around the entire mm-hmm. stadium. And then you look at Jerry World and Jerry World has that huge screen. So it's kind of a, a mix between the two. And there's going to be analytics on that screen. It's really fascinating when you're able to build something now versus 10 years ago, the amount of just completely different, um, looking for the word, it's basically innovative things that you can add to the stadium that you couldn't do 10 years ago is unbelievable. And I'm going to go through some numbers for Intuit Dome, just some of them, because you mentioned a few, 18,000 seats. Five full-size basketball courts, 350,000 hours spent designing Intuit Domes. You talked about how long they spent. 640 restrooms, twice as many in any other arena. And you bring up a really good point because a lot of people leave towards the end of the first half or the end of the first quarter, the end of the third quarter, to go and get either something to eat or go to the bathroom because they don't want to wait in line. And so this allows people to stay in their seats and so they can run to the bathroom when a quarter ends and be back before the quarter starts. So that's huge. Talk about COVID friendly, about 1,500 touchless restroom fixtures. Incredible. Zero concession stand lines, 45 inches, I believe. How many, how much closer to the action or 45 feet? 45 feet. How much closer to the action upper bowl seat holder will be than any other arena? So basically... It's very similar to Utah. I got a chance to go to Utah Stadium, and the slant is something that's really conducive to a home court advantage. The question is, will the Clippers have a home court advantage? Because they've not been able to do that at Staples Center. You're getting a lot of opponents' fans there, and the Clippers have not had a home court advantage. But you look at the playoffs this year, and you can say the Clippers certainly had a home court advantage in some of those games, and the atmosphere was incredible. So I think the atmosphere is starting to get better and better, and Clippers fans are getting better and better. So we talked about the amount of money obviously that will um, be given to people around Inglewood. $260 million is the amount of estimated annual economic activity generated in Inglewood. You talked about the 7,000 jobs created. There's 30, 30%, by the way, percentage of the permanent jobs at Intuit Dome that'll go to Inglewood residents. So you add in the 1 million the Intuit's going to give to LA schools over the next three years, and they're certainly doing their job. And, I know they're building in an area that some people may have been living in, but they're doing a great job of giving back and making sure that the area is basically for Inglewood and they're helping the people of Inglewood. So you got a chance to go to the groundbreaking ceremony. That area, man, is unbelievable. Uh, I work right next to SoFi Stadium. The NFL Network opened up their new office, a stone's throw away from SoFi. SoFi is unbelievable. I'm actually going on a tour of it this week and then you you yeah i'm looking forward to that i'm doing it wednesday and then you add in the clippers arena that'll be there 
of course, it's going to be incredible. There's going to be a lot of restaurants. There's going to be hotels. What was your takeaway from being in that area when you were there on Friday? Uh, to be honest with you, I, I actually wanted to go to SoFi for a tour um, a couple weeks back, but something came up and I couldn't go with a buddy of mine. So I am excited to get back and look at that arena because that stadium just looks amazing on TV and all the photos. Um, the area right now, it feels like an area that that's a work in progress. Um, I, I do think that once it's all said and done, um, this will be a, a sports hub. Because uh, obviously you have SoFi Stadium, you have the Forum not too not too far away, and then you'll have uh, the Intuit Dome as well. And so I think with those three there, uh, you'll be able to host concerts and and, and all sorts of events there. Uh, I do think they need to figure out the public transportation area of that, yeah. uh, you know, because I think that um, the nearest stop is I believe about a mile away, and uh, there, there's just been some some back and forth on on how far to get it, you know, where the final stop should be close uh, within range of the arena. I know Staples has the one that's basically a block, block and a half away. Um, so I, I do think the public transportation part of it will be something they need to figure out. Um, Cause I think parking also is about a hundred bucks, 85 to a hundred bucks right now. So that's a really um, good point, by the way, I'm going to, I'm chiming in quickly because being in that area, it is a disaster on Rams and Chargers game days from what I have heard mm -hmm. from people mm -hmm. that have been working there on sat on Sundays um, so far and there's one-way streets like I know for us we can only make a right out of our complex after games and we can only make a left or make a right into the complex before games and that means that you have to come from different areas they've got to figure out the public transportation because to your point Parking's too expensive, and if you have everybody driving to that area, it is going to be a traffic nightmare. It's already bad, but imagine having a Clippers game the same day as a Chargers or Rams game. Just an absolute oh, disaster in that disaster. area. Disaster. Yeah. I, I mean, I went to I went to the Coliseum for a couple of games, and it didn't matter whether I was taking the train. I never drove, but anytime I, I took the train there. Uh, it, there were lines of cars parked waiting to get in anytime is always people waiting for the train and um, the train does move at a, at a, at a faster I mean, they have more trains coming in for fans but um, again that's only for the Coliseum and so when you have like you said when you have a, a Chargers game maybe a 530 game for the Chargers or a 1230 game for the Clippers you know just mixing that together in that area um, just sounds like it'll be disastrous so I really think they have to figure that out. Um, but it, it sounds like their plans for the area in total, though, are just to have a bunch of uh, restaurants, bars, um, basketball courts that will have the games on screen there around the arena, even when the Clippers aren't playing uh, at home. So it, it, it'll really be a, a Clipper-friendly and, and just a, a sports-friendly hub for fans, even when there isn't a game or event being held inside the arena. Um, at least that's what Ballman sort of made it sound like when we were uh, when he was doing his presentation uh, the other day, so um, you know Clipper fans can come out and play in the area. It's going to be a, a bunch of bars and restaurants there that they're going to have to construct over the next couple of years. Um, so I think from that aspect, I think they have everything in, lined up to really, to really, to really work out and and make it a, a sports hub. But again, my biggest concern is just the the public transportation aspect because right now, you know, just hearing people go to SoFi, um, call it an issue, and then I think about how it's going to be. When SoFi opens up, oh, excuse me, when Intuit Dome opens up and then they have the forum um, yeah. playing some events, it's just going to be just a massive uh, issue, I feel like. So 
Um, that's really my main concern. But other than that, the area is, is really nice. I think they have a lot of space to build what they want and make it um, friendly towards any fan, any age, uh, any age group. So I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, the public transportation really needs to be figured out. How much do you think the Clippers will actually get a home court advantage in a new arena? Because I'm curious. I don't actually have an answer to it because it really does feel like at Lakers games, you're getting a full Lakers crowd. At Clippers games, that's not quite the case. And in previous years in the playoffs, and I don't think that was the case as much this year, the fans of the opponent were certainly there. And you could hear them. I mean, especially the Warriors, for example, during the uh, KD-Steph times. There were a lot of Warriors fans that were at those games. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on establishing the atmosphere. And I bring that up and it kind of goes hand in hand with what you were saying with the basketball courts and having the game on. It kind of feels like the Clippers want people to gather during like a road playoff game. Like you might see in Milwaukee, for example, so that there can Mm -hmm. be a huge group together watching the game. And that'll help the atmosphere a little bit as well. And maybe that translate into home games. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, for one, the, like, for example, Oracle Arena had like a, a low roof. And so sound was able to bounce off of that. It was very, very oddly constructed. It felt more like a college arena because it wasn't it wasn't very big. Um, I went there for the playoffs a couple of years back and it was incredibly loud and it just felt like they were bouncing off the walls. Um, I will say Staples is cl- very clearly not designed to be a basketball arena when, when you talk about. Um, the fan experience, I think it's been more so to be a hockey arena, which is obviously why it was built. I mean, AEG and the Kings, um, you know, they, they have first priority there, and they, they've been there for a long time. So um, I, I do think this will be more more designed towards basketball, basketball fans. Um, I think the arena will have about a 1,000, uh, close, close to 2,000 fewer seats um, than Staples Center. And I think they, they really just decided to – Focus on the fan experience and 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 make sure everyone's having a good time and it, and it's loud in there. I mean, Balmer even mentioned fifty-one consecutive rows of seats, uh, un you know not stopped by any suite or any railings or anything like that, uh, right behind the visitors' bench. So they'll really be be getting into them. Um, as far as how much of a home court advantage it'll be, I mean, look, I, I think um, at times it has been a struggle to get Clipper fans to show up to games, and when they do show up, it's, it's sometimes tough to get them to cheer. Um, but I do think there's been sort of a change in in uh, f- fans over the last couple of years just just started to, to buy in with this team and really believe in this team. I think, you know, we have to remember what seven years removed from Donald Sterling being the owner of this team. So, um, you know, the, the rebound, the rebrand under Steve Ballmer has been fantastic. It's been it's been about as quick as you could probably ask for. Um, they're still championship contenders. Um, they have a new arena coming pretty soon. So. Um, but I, I do think fans can, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I do think they, they'll want to be affordable, yeah. uh, price wise. Yeah. Uh, but then again, they can't really control the secondary market and, you know, all those stuff up and all that stuff. So, uh, but I, I do think Clipper fans will show up once they know they have their own arena. They won't have to worry about, uh, you know, people talking about the Lakers banners and all that stuff. It, it'll be more, more catered to them and their fans. And like I said, they'll have the. The, the basketball courts outside, they'll have the, the big screens outside, um, a, a massive team store outside as well. So it'll be really catered to Clipper fans. And I think maybe not right away, but I think it'll resonate with them and, and they'll start showing up. I think the Clippers will have a real home court advantage uh, once this arena opens up. I mean, 
it's LA though. You're going to get fans from other teams, yeah. and we see that everywhere. We see that at Laker games, we see the Chargers games, uh, Rams games, you know, everywhere. So, um, at some point, like you're going to get opposing fans. But I do think this presents the Clippers the best chance to really show off a home court advantage, like you said. I think the playoffs really showed that when when you have a team that's locked into the playoffs, this is deep in the playoffs, uh, their their fans show up. Yeah. And so I think once once they get their new arena, it'll really show that sh- show itself. For sure. We'll talk a little bit more about the Intuit Dome in just a second. But first, got to talk about our friends over at MyBookie.ag. Ever since I started this podcast, people are always asking me where I'm betting and what I'm betting on. I tell them I'm betting on the Clippers and I'm doing it at MyBookie.ag. Their rep is rock solid. They've got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. The only place that I trust to handle my NBA-related bets. The one sportsbook guaranteed to give me the best lines for Premier League games, for college football games, NFL games. You know me. I don't give out my stamp of approval easily. You've got to be the best at what you do. And my bookie is the best sportsbook out there, period. If you need a little bit of help, hit up the guys at the Hoopball Gaming Department. They do a great job over there. You can get the wager pass. It's not that much money. And those guys are winning you money and putting dollars in your wallet. It's simple. Sign up. Enter the promo code HOOPBALL. Get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. That's the promo code HOOPBALL. Get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to my bookie if you want a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. I want to talk a little bit more, Tomer, about the press conference slash, um, I guess, presentation on Friday. What was your biggest takeaway there? Because it seemed like Jerry West was speaking. You had Ballmer who spoke. Ty Lu spoke. What was the biggest takeaway um, from that entire, I guess, hour, two hours that you were there? And maybe something that stood out that kind of surprised you or just caught your, uh, caught your ears? Yeah, I mean, if you look on Twitter, you'll see a, a video of Kawhi looking a little disinterested uh, towards the latter half of that uh, of that uh, event. But look, I mean, being there, it, lo- it really looks like the Clippers are committed to to creating just just a, a, a new environment, a new fun environment for their fans. Uh, they had fans sitting back there. I know they, they brought a couple of fan favorites in the stands. They had some guys, I, I think, um, who was it? <sighs> Terrence Mann was, I mean, a lot of the players came. They, they, it was an optional event, I believe, for the players to attend. Yeah. And the only three I saw that didn't attend were Marcus Morris, Eric Bledsoe, and uh, Nico Batum and uh, Sergi Baca. Those those guys were all working out. So um, for the Clippers players to show up there, um, that really said something to me. Uh, Kawhi and PG obviously did their thing. They showed up. And um, it really just seems like this is, this is an event that... The Clippers are excited about. I mean, Steve Ballmer was rehearsing for for quite a while. Actually, I was there pretty early, and they wouldn't even let us in because he was rehearsing. He really wanted to get every point down, and um, yeah, I think the, the organization as a whole is just is just excited to 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 finally start this. I think for for a few years now, it's felt like there's just been so many obstacles in the way. You mentioned James Dolan and just some 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 city city issues and city permit issues and stuff like that, and. I think Friday just marked uh, – while well, it marked the start, it also marked a culmination of all the meetings and all the, 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 the proceedings that needed to happen to finally break ground in the arena. And I think that was that was a, a monumental moment there. And so I'm really just excited to see how they you know how they proceed. How, hopefully there's no delays. I know some rain uh, delayed SoFi Stadium. And um, as of right now, it doesn't seem like the Clippers gave themselves much of a wiggle room. Um, for the construction of the new arena. But, I mean, man, when this thing is built, um, 
it's just it's just, it really just shows that Bomber has been all in on on giving Clipper fans um, just just their own home and giving his team uh, their own home. It's 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 really just um, been amazing to see. I know, you know, when we when we I think we talked to him in Hawaii. It was 2019 training camp. He was talking about how absurd it was to him that um, you can go to a, a city with two teams and you know Kawhi went to a Rams game and he was booed, yeah. and he just found that so absurd and. Um, I think he really took that to heart, and he wanted to build a home, a home court for his team that he felt like could could be the home court he envisioned. You know, you can envision Steve Ballmer sitting in the crowd with those fans uh, in this arena. Yeah, he'll be up there cheering with uh, as loud as everyone else, and I think that's kind of what he wants. He wants people to to be there cheering. He wants there to be very little time away from their seats cheering, um, and and I think they they really are just going to focus on on that. Um, I, I'm sorry, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but um, just, yeah, my main takeaway is that this is really just catered to the fans, and I think the Clippers really, really, really did a good job of that. I'm I'm really interested to see how this turns out, uh, because photos are one thing, but seeing it in person is, is a whole other thing, so yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm curious to hear um, what happens with the Clippers at different stadiums, because you talk about Kawhi being booed at a Rams game, it happens at Dodgers games too, and this frankly will always be a Lakers town. I don't see that changing. Um, but I, I'm curious to see if the Clippers are able to get bigger and bigger. Um, and when it comes to getting a fan base that is strong and loyal, and they're already close to getting a pretty good one. I mean, there is, there's a very good, large group of fans that have been with the Clippers for a long time. And there's some fans now that are starting to cling on to the Clippers. I know a friend personally that was looking for an NBA team and he went to a couple of playoff games and had an amazing time and he's now a Clippers fan. So it's <laughs> certainly a team that is attracting fans, um, old and new with the play on the court and what's going on off the court. And having an owner like Steve Ballmer is certainly going to get you fans because if you have somebody that's in charge of the team that wants the best for your team as not just using it as a cash cow, which a lot of owners do. It's certainly a recipe for success, both on and off the court. So I'm certainly curious to see what happens down the road. And you bring up the contingency plan that apparently is in place if the arena is not ready in time, but Ballmer's going to do whatever he can to make sure it is ready in time. He said they're on a very, very tight timeline and don't have a ton of room for error. And that means that you got to hope that COVID doesn't become an issue because even at the SoFi Stadium, I think they stopped construction briefly um, when COVID hit. So you got to be careful, obviously, with what stuff that you can control and stuff that you can't control. But I'm curious to see where they end up if they can't play there. But I think they'll do whatever they can. And Ballmer will pay whoever he needs to to make sure that this opens on time because he has not <laughs> right. been afraid to put his money where his mouth is. And you cannot ask for anything else from an owner. How'd Kawhi look? Because it's weird with him because it seems like after the surgery, he's walking fine and it doesn't seem like a huge issue. And I've talked about on the podcast before that the benefit of him signing this long-term deal and not doing that one plus one is that it encourages him to come back this year because Let's say he comes back at the end of the year and he does re-injure himself. He's already been paid, so he can go ahead and sit out a year and not be afraid of not getting paid. So if he sees his team as in contention this year, he comes back in March or April, then he can go ahead and be 100% for the team and not worrying about his health. So how did Kawhi look? Uh, I mean, Kawhi, 
clearly, I mean, since summer league, he hasn't had a limp. Uh, he hasn't really had a limp when he walked in. He hasn't had a brace, which I thought was interesting considering uh, at summer league it was about a month um, since his surgery. So I, I truly don't know what the, you know, how his recovery is going or if he needed to wear a brace, something like that. I did think it was interesting, though, because, you know, Jamal Murray is expected to miss the entire season, I believe, um, after going surgery on his ACL. So uh, I, I, Kawhi hasn't been ruled out. Balmer, you know, in an interview said that um, they're not ruling anything out. It's it's very much possible he returns, but it's far too early to know. Um, I mean, Kawhi, Kawhi, first of all, I will say I'm I'm surprised they got Kawhi to in, to, to narrate that video with Paul George. Uh, Listen, he, if he's, he he's going to be in music videos, you know, surprised. you never know. If he's going to be in music videos, he can go ahead and uh, and jump into that narration, right? Oh, I didn't even talk about the Drake. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that was a whole thing, too. But, uh, yeah, Kawhi's had quite a summer. I mean, the surgery, the Drake's video, uh, this video, and the, the, the groundbreaking. Um, we even got a Kawhi laugh I saw, and Steve Ballmer cracked a joke, and he just let out laughing. So, um, Kawhi looks good. As far as we know, he looks good. I'll be curious to see if they let him talk in media day, which is a week from Monday and uh, well, the 27th, I believe, 26, whatever it is. Um, and then we'll, we'll kind of see where he is from there. Um, I, I don't anticipate him doing any basketball activity anytime soon. Um, and you mentioned the comfort of, of, you know, signing the long-term deal and knowing money isn't going to be an issue. Um, you know, to me, I thought he could probably miss the entire year uh, just to play it safe because you would hate for him to come back in, you know, April, May or June and maybe suffer an injury and then have to miss the entire year because he came back too soon. Yeah, uh, that's just like worst case scenario. So I do think they're going to play ultra safe with him. Uh, that being said, I, I think it's at a point where I just wouldn't be too surprised if he did make a return at some point this year. Um, it, it, yeah, I, I, again, we don't know much, but. Um, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, there were talks about him being ready to return uh, during the playoffs. They just didn't want to rush him. Uh, I don't know if part of that was free agency or what. So um, I, I don't think you can rule Kawhi out completely from this season. Um, but I, I, I do think they're going to be smart and take their time. They're going to talk to his doctors and the Clippers' own doctors and really just set out a plan just like they did in Toronto for his uh, load management um, because it, it's not going to be all in on this year. It's going to be this year and the next and the next. They have him signed for three years plus that player option in 2024-25. So um, we'll see. I think I think they're going to take it slow. They're going to take it at their own pace, at his pace, and, and see where they go from there. Got one more thing to talk about before we talk about I got to talk about Manscaped. Boy, you've heard people talk about Manscaped and the Lawnmower 4.0 and the Ultra Smooth Package. I got to tell you, man, if you are taking care of yourself below the belt, Manscaped is the place to go. The 4.0 trimmer is now available in the USA and Canada. What makes this waterproof trimmer different from all other trimmers? 7,000 RPM trimmer features skin-safe technology, helps reduce manscaping accidents. New multifunction on-off switch can engage in a travel lock created for jet setters. Gives you the ability to turn that 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when you need a more precise shave. Additional guard length sizes one to four to let trim your trim to your liking. I gotta tell you, this is the perfect thing if you are taking care of yourself. Even if you're using it to trim your beard, you can use it whenever you need. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping with the code HoopBall20. Don't 
Don't waste any more time. Go and get yourself the Lawnmower 4.0 and see what else they have to offer with Manscaped because they've got a ton of different things to add to that package as well. So 20% off and free shipping. Go to HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. All right, Tomer, we'll, we'll finish up with a couple of quick talking points. John Wall is supposedly on the market now. <laughs> um, and there was a picture of him, I believe, taken with, uh, I think, Paul George out in Los Angeles. I don't think the Clippers can realistically get a deal done with John Wall. Tell me how they can. Pre, I mean, look, straight up, it would probably have to be a deal involving like Luke Kennard, uh, Eric Bledsoe, and Serge Ibaka, or Ivica Zubac, something along those lines. But I think Bledsoe and Kennard have to be the two guys that are included in that deal. Um, I wrote a couple pieces on John Wall. I thought he was a good fit for the Clippers prior to them trading for Bledsoe. I, I really thought he was, you know, if you could trade a, a Luke Kennard, a Pat Bev, and a Rondo, um, you know, that would probably make sense. For both sides, you, you you know, the Rockets would get a young guard to add to their young core and uh, the Clippers would get a point guard who, you know, is not, I believe is, is a player option for next year. Um, it's not it's 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 a low risk, in my opinion, low risk, high reward kind of move. Um, if John Wall can be what he was two, three, four years ago, um, that's a win for you. After trading for Bledsoe, though, I, I really just don't see. I just don't see the point in trading for Wall. I mean, it feels like, you know, the Clippers obviously got that trade exception. Um, they also, they would have to include Zubats or Ibaka, and I just don't think that's something they want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, those guys are, outside of those guys, they have Isaiah Hartenstein and uh, Harry Giles signed. And I, I just don't see, um, I don't see them wanting to make that kind of trade. I think they traded for Bledsoe. And once they traded for Bledsoe, they they committed to this team, this roster. Um, like I, thought, I thought John Wall made a lot of sense for the Clippers prior to the Bledsoe trade. I really thought it was going to happen at, at one point or another. Just kind of a matter of when um, the Rockets felt like they would move on from him. But maybe maybe the Clippers just didn't get a good sense and didn't want to wait on on the Rockets and Wall. Um, I, I again, I, I just don't see a trade right now that really makes sense. It would, it would have to be a Bledsoe Canard and. Um, and either Ibaka or, or, or Zubats, and I just don't think that makes sense for the Clippers' perspective. I think once they got Bledsoe, they really just committed to letting Kennard be the second uh, unit scorer. Um, heck, he may even start. He may even end up starting this year. Uh, we, we don't know yet, but um, I think they're really committed to to Kennard and Terrence Mann being those um, the second unit guys or the energy guys. And I think um, I'm not sure that either of those guys are ready to take that next step yet. Um, I think the playoffs were a good, you know, a good sort of barometer for what, what the Clippers should be looking for. But uh, to ask someone to do that for the regular season, an 82-game regular season, is a different story. Um, so, I, But I do think the Clippers clearly have a, a belief in both of those guys to um, to, to get it done. And I think, uh, you know, Ty Lue has shown he, he, he can um, – he has the belief in those guys to really get go out there and get it done. So – uh, we'll see. I, I really think, though, that John Wall is really just off the table at this point. Uh, once you trade it for Bledsoe, that kind of closed the door on it for me. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. He doesn't shoot all that well. He shot 40% last season, um, and I just don't see him being someone that makes a lot of sense with this team. Uh, and I understand Eric Bledsoe. He, he may not shoot that great either. I just feel like Bledsoe brings a little bit more defensively. 
um, than John Wall. I know the numbers may show that, you know, Wall racks up some steals and he gets about a block per game. I don't know. The injuries concern me. And that was the biggest thing with Pat Bev is the injuries and that him not being available. And I've said this before on the podcast, availability, I think, is really important. And you couldn't count on Pat Beverly being healthy for the playoffs and during the regular season. And when you do that, guys play more minutes. I mean, Blake Griffin was on J.J. Reddick's podcast recently. He talked about how in the series that they lost in either, I think it was 2013 or 2014, he said the first couple of games, they didn't have Chris Paul. And so everybody had to work even harder those first couple of games. And so by the end, when you actually need it in the seventh game, you may not have everything in your legs. And so I think that could easily come up with a guy like Wall, who I think also needs to get load managed. And when you have Kawhi and you have PG and you have Wall, I just don't think it's possible. I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever for John Wall to be on Los Angeles Clippers because of A, load management, and B, I just don't think he's a great fit. Yeah, I mean, you, you talked about the the, the injury um, factor and the availability. Um, that that definitely is something that plays a part in it. I mean, Wall played, I believe it was 40 games last year. Yep. Um, he, he did miss a handful due to some hamstring, I think ankle issues, but I think a lot of them were also to load management and letting some of the young guys play. Uh, Bledsoe was pretty criminally misused last year on the Pelicans. And I, I, I tried to look at some of his numbers and... Uh, even on catch and shoot numbers, he was decent, but they just weren't using him well. They were using him strictly as like a catch and shoot guy around Ingram, uh, around Lonzo, and around Zion. And I just, I just don't think that's that's when he's at his best. I mean, he's at his best when he has the ball in his hands in transition, uh, putting pressure on the defense, attacking the rim, and and sort of either scoring or, or kicking out for for threes or, or secondary transition uh, opportunities. Uh, and so I really just didn't see the Pelicans using him well. And so that's why some of the numbers with him don't look great last year. I mean, if you look at him with the Milwaukee Bucks, I think it was a multiple time all defensive team member, um, you know, consistently averaged, um, you know, didn't shoot the ball well, like you said. But he was he was an all around player, both on offense and defense. He was doing it all for them. So um, I really didn't take too much away from that from that Pelicans year. Uh, they were kind of a mess all around, if I'm being honest. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think when, when with Bledsoe coming to the Clippers, you can really just expect to see the guy who's, like I said, attacking the rim, uh, in transition, really just handling the ball, taking the loads off of Reggie Jackson and Paul George as ball handlers. We saw them really have to do everything in the playoffs, and I think uh, the Clippers just wanted, A, more responsibility on, on Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard, but also they wanted... Uh, a second unit ball handler and Eric Bledsoe that can go out there, be available for one, yes, not be a defensive liability too, and be able to create and, and take some pressure off everybody else. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how he meshes in with this team. Again, he's not going to be the, the John Wall type of scorer uh, or the distributor, but he is going to do bits and pieces of what Wall could bring, I think, at still at a high level while not being a liability defensively, like you said. So uh, I like the fit. I, I, at this point, again, I, yeah, the Wall trade does not make sense to the Clippers. I don't think they're going to end up doing it. I don't think they should do it. Uh, I think you kind of just run this team into the regular season and kind of see where you're at uh, and go from there. Last one for you, Harry Giles, Reclamation Project. It kind of feels like uh, Nick Batum, he had a bad year. They bring him back. They bring him to the Clippers, and he was great. Harry Giles is a guy that had a lot of potential coming out of college. Um, I believe he went to Kentucky, and I think Bledsoe went to Kentucky, and then I think BJ Boston as well went to Kentucky. So, getting some Kentucky guys in the building. Um, thoughts there? Uh, I'll be honest. Um, I I'm a bit disappointed they didn't go after Demarcus Cousins. I don't know if maybe Cousins camp didn't want a one year deal, or maybe they they just weren't interested. 
Uh, I thought, one, DeMarcus was a great hype man for Paul George and some of the Clippers. Um, really just a, an enforcer and a good guy. I think, you know, everyone really got along with. Um, two, I really thought they needed a, a guy at the center position who can create for himself, especially without Kawhi there this year, um, at least to start this year. Uh, again, I don't I don't think you want to wear down Paul George and Reggie Jackson. Um, and I think there definitely should be a bit of a concern in terms of regression with Reggie and Nick because they were playing in extremely high levels in the playoffs. Uh, we kind of saw Nick sort of get tired down the stretch. So I thought getting DeMarcus Cousins would make sense in having a big man that could, we saw, draw double teams, kick out, score by himself. Uh, that being said, I don't think it's completely off the table. And like you said, Harry Giles and Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, whoever impresses the most in camp and preseason uh, will probably get that that uh, that final roster spot. And then I guess the other will go on a two-way deal is, is my guess. Um, Harry Giles is still, I think he's 23 years old, um, still young and, and has some upside. I'm not, I'm not going to, don't get me wrong on that side. Um, you can, you can, it's a good passer out of the post. Um, he's got some, some footwork in the post as well. I think he's got a midi, a nice midi as well. So, um, I think it's just about a being healthy, uh, for Giles and two, just putting it all together. Um, I don't know how much we can expect to see from a third string center, uh, but I do think we'll get a good dose of him during the preseason and training camp. And the Clippers will really just lock in and see what they can get out of both Hartenstein and Giles. So I think there's potential there. Um, that being said, I, again, these guys are going to be they are fighting for a third-string roster spot. So this is in case the Iron Man Ivica Zubats goes down or Serge Ibaka, who's coming off of back surgery, goes down. So um, I think they're decent backups to have. I personally would have rather had Cousins on the team. I still think he's a guy that... Um, can can give you regular season minutes when a team isn't really locking down on some of your weaknesses and, and you need to create offense on your own. But uh, Giles and, and Hartenstein are, are decent options as well. So I'm sure people are listening to this podcasting. Brandon, you're an idiot. Harry Giles went to Duke. He didn't go to Kentucky. So apologies there for anybody <laughs> that's listening. Harry Giles went to Duke, not Kentucky. DeMarcus Cousins, by the way, did go to Kentucky. Um, yeah, well, you had the color scheme down. So. Yeah, I was close enough. Duke, Kentucky, <laughs> it's the teams that dominate college basketball. You put them with North Carolina, and you're pretty much solving everything there. I agree. I think Harry Giles is just a guy that, it's, like you said, 23 years old, someone that maybe, maybe, just maybe, you can tap into some potential that uh, wasn't quite fulfilled over in Sacramento. And I know he spent a year with Portland. So we'll see how it pans out. Tomer. Go ahead, tell people where they can find you on social media and where they can read all your stuff. Oh, you can follow me at Tomera Zarly. That's T-O-M-E-R-A-Z-A-R-L-Y on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can read all my work at clutchpoints.com. Uh, probably looking at my author page or on my Twitter page. I post all my articles there as well. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, it for now. I might, might get back in the podcast game. I'm trying to trying to trying to see how this TikTok game is working, but. Um, yeah, for now, that that's pretty much where you can find me, Instagram, Twitter, and ClutchPoints.com. That's Tomer Azarli. I'm Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus on Twitter. You can follow the HoopBall Clippers Twitter account at HoopBall Clips. I mentioned earlier on the podcast, but the next guest, we're slayed to have Noah Eagle, the radio voice of Los Angeles Clippers. We'll talk about his time broadcasting three-on-three basketball in the Olympics, so that should be fun, and we'll also do... A little bit more in depth on the Clippers arena and just the Clippers season that was and the Clippers season coming up. So a big thank you to Tomer. I'm Brandon. Until next time, have a good one and go Clips.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.